0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Uh, They became incredibly violent, and that's when that uh, surge that you watched in some of the video uh, began. And you had uh, a large group at the mouth of that uh, tunnel entrance trying to push their way through the officers who were fighting to defend it i believe had they done so or had they accomplished that they would have trampled us to death most certainly you would have had police officers killed
2: i think you run that experiment a thousand times of what happened that day and you get uh... as few dead people as we ended up with that one time i mean i think it was just a matter of luck and amazement and that 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 more people didn't die as often for known just said there, if they had broken through, they would have trampled them. They certainly would have beaten anybody to death. They could have. And I think if they would have gotten into the Capitol, they'd have killed some politicians. I really believe that that would have happened. Uh, just stunning. Deborah J. Saunders, been a friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show for a long time. She's a fellow at the Discovery Center, Chapman Center for Citizen Leadership. And and she is now, she's also a columnist with Creator Syndicate, but she's now on Substack. That's where all the best writers are. You can just search for Deborah J. Sanders if you want to, Saunders, if you want to find her on Substack. You left the, the, the U out of her name there. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Hanson. What was that? You changed her name. You have a different spelling there than you have there. I mean, that's crazy. Deborah Saunders, uh, joins us now on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, how's it going?
0: Fine, fine. I'm changing the, the spelling of my name too.
2: <laughs> Substack I'm for everything. Substack is where all the best people are, so I'm glad to, to, to see that you're on there.
0: It's a great place to go because you can you can yeah uh, you know, I, I I love writing my column, uh, but it's once a week. It's I have to sort of it's bigger thoughts, but you can just jump on Substack, which is really fun. I like that. So
2: so, uh, so well, I, just I totally hearing...
0: agree with everything. I totally agree with everything you've been saying all morning.
2: Okay, so you heard us earlier. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, the... Uh, so the day it happened was just... I i, I was just beside myself. I was just, I can't believe this is happening. And But then, you know, the way the human mind works, it kind of trailed off, and my memory of how awful it was kind of went away. Then, uh, you know, then you see videos again, and you think, oh, yeah, that's right. People were trying to beat police to death with U.S. flagpoles. And then the New York Times put together, I don't know if you saw that thing that they put together a week or so ago, where they compiled thousands and thousands of hours of video of, from iPhones and that sort of stuff into one hell of a montage that was like being on the ground as that medieval battle happened. Uh, just stunning. And then seeing it again yesterday, you're reminded of just, just how awful that whole thing was. So here's here's my my current sense for Trump and Pelosi. I think I think Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi for completely different reasons were okay with things getting a little out of hand and they thought a little out of hand was going to benefit them both and, uh, and uh, they got way out of hand. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that that's true and uh, Officer Dunn said that the reason they didn't prepare more is they never thought this would happen and that they thought it would be a problem but they didn't think it would be like this. You know, Jim Jordan uh, who was Kevin McCarthy's pick to be on the select committee and Pelosi said, no, he's been on TV all week saying, and if I were on that committee, I'd be asking them, why weren't you more prepared? So what he's saying is that Pelosi should have known that this was going to happen. Cause if that's true, then Donald Trump should have known this was going to happen, right? Well, you- <laughs> he should have done something to stop it because you don't want to have your supporters running into the Capitol and beating up law enforcement people. They're on our side. They're good people. And you can see from the testimony, these four men are traumatized by what happened to them. They can't believe that their fellow citizens did this to them.
2: Well, as a horrible day. Uh, as uh, we'll play this again, just because it's uh, it makes a pretty good point. Um, so uh, Deborah and I can discuss this play 31 again for me. This is Officer Fanone.
1: I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful.
2: It's got to be a really difficult thing to take that you fought for a couple of hours, blacked out for several minutes, probably was surprised to wake up alive you fought and fought and fought and fought to protect these politicians and then some of those politicians are pretending that it never happened.
0: It's it, I mean they have every right to be furious about this. And and I'm um, I'm watching these uh, the sort of whataboutism where there are some Republicans who are trying to act like this wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. And if, if I were if I were Kevin McCarthy, my way of dealing with, with it would be to have reasonable Republicans there to ask questions. Um, I think this is the day for Nancy Pelosi uh, that it worked best for Democrats. There are, you know, other things that you can get into, but there's just no excuse for go, for people to, you, you don't treat police officers like that. And this is something that we on the right hated when the, during the Antifa demonstrations and the BLM riots and all the other stuff like that. We thought that this is wrong and these people belong in jail. And same goes for the January six people. It wasn't, just a, it, it was a big deal, and yeah. if these people had succeeded, they would have. uh They probably would have killed some members of Congress, and they would have intimidated the rest of them into overturning the Electoral College vote <laughs> in favor of their person. And we would be, uh you know, <laughs> we we would be a tin pot dictatorship. That's what we'd be. Uh, I, yeah, I,
2: I I don't think that was ever going to happen. I mean. You know, maybe maybe some people have said, "Okay, I'll vote that way" if with a gun to their head, but that would have quickly been corrected. I mean, so they were never going to accomplish sure. what they wanted to accomplish. It's just, it's just. It, I, I don't, I don't even get what was going on in their heads. They're all well, they're crazy people. But I, I wish in my in my ideal democracy, you would have Democrats on that panel and, and Republicans on that panel, both speaking to their own sides, saying this is unacceptable. We cannot be attacking police in Portland and Seattle, and we cannot be attacking police in Washington D.C. And, uh, you know, we're unified on this, but we're we're not even close to there, which is disappointing to me. Yeah, to me, too. And, you know, before January 6th,
0: as the march was happening, I would call. I was talking to a number of people who I knew were going to attend the march. And I kept asking them, so what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? And I, by the way, had no idea it was going to come to this, right? I thought it was going to be – I mean, but basically – there were a number of people who turned up to the to the ellipse in the Washington Mall, and they somehow thought that magically, maybe, they, maybe some of them actually thought we can walk over to the Capitol and uh, members of Congress will look at us and realize, oh, we're wrong and we'll change things. But obviously there are people who are prepared, who showed up and they were armed, they had plans, and they were ready to hurt people because that's what they wanted to do. And those people... Uh, were enabled. I mean, we saw this with all the Antifa demonstrations, and you'd you'd hear the people on the left say, "Oh, no, you know, this is for a just cause. It's a p- mostly peaceful protest. Well, the peaceful protesters end up becoming enablers for the violent thugs. And, again, not right.
2: Yeah, and it's similar in that, uh, you know, and each side is covering for their own side. CNN and MSNBC would, would cover for the Antifa crowd. And talk about the peaceful protesters, and ignore you know the people that would would have a, a pallet of bricks delivered for the crowd that was really there mm-hmm. wanting to do damage. It's similar to the people that showed up to the Capitol, organized. There are organized combatants on both sides, and let's let's can we just all just recognize that, and let's try to find out who these people are and deal with them. Mm
0: hmm, and if they break the law, prosecute them.
2: Uh, uh, do, do you think we? Do you think that was the the high mark, or it was a low point and a high mark at the same time? Uh, January sixth, or or do you think that where were, were it's a, a point on a continuum, we're going to go further down that road, either from the violence of the left or the violence of the right?
0: You know, it is scary right now because I think both sides are the the, the lack of trust is so heavy in this country. Uh, Joe Biden said he's going to bring us together, and he hasn't done it right. Uh, instead, it's just finger pointing. You guys are wrong. You guys are wrong. Well, I, you know, Jack, our side was wrong. There were you No, know, I, I. There were people. I voted for Trump in 2020, and the, the people who went on the Washington Mall, they they were. They felt that they had a right to do something that they had no right to do, and the fact that they had a president who encouraged them to do it. And, you know, he certainly had been made aware in the course of the day what was going on, and he didn't try to pull them uh, out of the building until later. And, you know, famously, Kevin McCarthy calls Trump and he's petrified. and He's like, do something. And Trump said, well, Kevin, I guess these people care more about what happened to the election than you do. So he was still, you know, bent on trying to delusionally keep the White House. uh, And he was willing to let a lot of people get hurt so he could get that.
2: Well, and Joe Biden has spoken forcefully against that, of course, but if he would include in the same speech and say, hey, uh, you know, whether you're with Black Lives Matter or Antifa or whatever, you don't get to go into a restaurant and make people kneel and swear an oath to you. You don't get to pull down statues in the middle of the night. We have a political process for that. If he would say those things together, maybe we could get somewhere, get that big chunk of the middle of us who aren't violent to, to say, yeah, let, let, let's let the grown-up calm people take over. But he's not willing to do that.
0: Yeah, it's really sad because I I feel that uh, on the left and on the right, everything's moving further away. And now anybody who talks to the other side is an enemy. And we're not we don't believe in trying to get things done. We just believe in trying to stop the other guys from getting things done. It's just very unhealthy.
2: Yeah. Well, appreciate the conversation with you today. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the hearings. I'll be looking for you on Substack. Good for you, Deborah J. Sanders, Saunders on uh, Substack. Um, and, uh, that's a good place. That's a good place to be. Lots of different points of view and you can't get canceled on Substack from what I can tell, which is cool. Uh, Deborah, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. You bet. That's Deborah J. Saunders. S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. Look for it on Substack. Hey, Hanson, tell her I just spelled the name to make sure they find it. Okay, good. Got it right. So at some point this hour, I want to go through those statistics that Mark Thiessen dug out for the Washington Post today and his opinion piece on how ridiculous it is that they're making us go back to masks. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, Simone Biles pulled out of the individual competition in the Olympics, and I don't think people thought she was going to do that, but she's just done, which is... That's something. All that on the way. Text line 415295KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty show.
1: I just
3: never felt like this going into a competition before and I tried to go out here and have fun and warm up in the back when a little bit better but then once I came out here I was like no mental is not there so I just need to let the girls do it and focus on myself physically I feel good I'm in shape emotionally that kind of varies on the time and the moment coming here to the
0: Olympics and being the head star of the Olympics is not an easy feat so we're just trying to take
3: it one day at a time and we'll see I say put mental health first. It's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are. Okay.
2: Uh, Does that show how strong of a competitor and person you really are? That the mental pressure of being the greatest of all time got you so messed up in the head that you couldn't compete anymore? I think it shows that you're not quite as strong as everybody thought you were or as you thought you were. I just think it's interesting how she's being treated because she is she and a young she as opposed to uh, a dude. And I keep using the example of Tom Brady and LeBron James, who are the greatest of all time in their sports. And if either one of them quit and said, I can't handle the pressure, they would not be getting columns like this in the USA today. Some things are more valuable than gold. How about your integrity or something about? quitting because the mental pressure got to you or it's brave and simply human to protect oneself simone you've made us all proud that is not what they would be saying about tom brady if he announced uh, i can't come out for the second half everybody's talking about be, being the greatest of all time and just carrying that kind of pressure is just too much for me which is exactly what simone biles said she said everybody's talking about me being the greatest i'm the face of the olympics and the pressure is too much for me which is fine i'm not I'm not criticizing her, but she would be treated differently if she was a dude. It's just a fact. So wait a second. There are differences between dudes and women? What? We can treat them differently? What? Um, But anyway, I wish her no ill will. It's just kind of surprising for somebody who clearly very mentally tough to be able to block out all the doubt and everything like that through several Olympics And uh, win gold medals and everything like that. Reached a tipping point and just couldn't take it anymore. social media it? I I hope she does a longer interview with an Oprah or somebody. Because I would be interested to know if social media was it. And drawing more attention to the evils of social media, I'm uh, I'm fine with. I want to get to at some point. How much time have I got, Michael? Because this is kind of a long article. The pandemic hurt these students the most. There is new research out showing that all groups of children in schools are behind in math and reading after disruptions during the pandemic. But it's the most vulnerable students who experience the steepest setbacks. And this is a surprise to no one. But now they've got data to back it up. In math and reading, students are behind where they would be after a normal year. Yeah, because Zoom schooling was a farce from day one, and for some reason I didn't hear anybody talk about it but here, And I only talked about it because I saw it with my own eyes, with my own kids, and my own kids' friends. Hey, this isn't working. They aren't really learning anything. Anybody going to acknowledge that? And nobody did acknowledge it for a very long time. It was weird. Uh, Anyway, um, kids that were the most vulnerable students showed the steepest drops, according to two new reports. That are out from a couple of different outfits, nonprofit organizations. The students did not just stall early on. The setbacks accumulated over time and continued even after many students had returned to the classroom this spring because they were so far behind. I don't know if you've ever been behind. That's only happened to me one time in my whole life. It happened to me in a uh, graduate school. I was in graduate school, a two-year program for one year. <laughs> I I realized I wasn't, uh, I couldn't cut it. But anyway, I was, I I I was in this accounting class. And I had never taken accounting before, and I was in a graduate accounting class, and I just had no idea what was going on. And so you're not, like, behind. You can't, you just can't even participate because you don't even have any idea what they're talking about. And i got to believe that's what it's like for a lot of these kids with math that missed out on a full year, year and a half. It, they're not, like, behind. They're just out of the game. They can't even participate because you're talking about things. They don't even know what, where you're going with this. So you got to kind of start over and catch them up before you can move on, and that's going to be a huge problem for schools all across the country. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that, because it's going to be a giant story this fall.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
3: Let's let's, send Dr. Fax. I have to. On. Well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the the grant that was funded as a subaward from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2,
2: that's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a if minute. It came from the lab, you, but all the you, evidence is pointing that it came from the lab you, and there will be responsibility for those you, who funded the fine. lab including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will
3: allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator.
2: So there's a lot of back back and forth. actually uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul and uh, Dr. Fauci have gotten into it a couple of times and a few times it's been over masks and this and that. And I, and I thought, you know, uh, Rand, you might be going too far here or uh, what about but, but on the stuff of the, uh, doing the gain of function research and what Fauci knew and when he knew it, eh, I think Rand might be on the right side of that. And one of the people I go to on those kind of things is Josh Rogan. Who we've talked to a number of times. He wrote the book Chaos Under Heaven. Um, he is, uh, with the Washington Post and man, he's one of the best thinkers out there on anything that's got to do with uh, China and certainly doing research on, uh, where this virus came from and our relationship with China, all that, all that sort of stuff. We're going to talk to him in just a second, but, um, uh, a poll came out just recently. It's now eight out of, uh, almost nine out of 10. Americans now see China as uh, our number one foe or an enemy of the United States. And those numbers have moved by, I think, 30 points in the last couple of years. So it's gone from, you know, somewhere around half, a little more than half, to practically everybody recognizes what China is. China is asshole! And I I don't think we're mistaken in going that direction. So we'll be talking to Josh Rogan uh, here in just a little bit. We're having trouble getting him on the line. Later this hour or next, I'm going to get to some of the stats around COVID, vaccinations, and masking. And you probably groan when you hear that, but I was pretty upset when I heard yesterday that the CDC is now recommending that even vaccinated people wear a mask indoors. And the idea is that even if you're vaccinated, you can still get the COVID And you can still spread the COVID. Now, the chance that you're going to get it and spread it is very, very low. uh, But that's good enough for the government to, uh, to decide that we need to wear masks again. And the county I live in has actually made it mandatory that you wear masks indoors. And the part that bothers me the most about this is clearly that we're only doing it to protect the unvaccinated. And at this point... Since there's been enough vaccine, vaccine around for a long time and plenty of places you could get the shot. The unvaccinated have made a choice and you could get to make that choice. I have no, I have no problem with saying, Hey, cool. You're a grown up. Make the choice you want to make. You've decided, Hey, I'm healthy. I'm not sure about the vaccine. So I decide fine, but why am I being punished for the decision other people are making not to get vaccinated? I don't get it. I think we've got this completely backwards. Plus if you're trying to motivate people to get the vaccine, announcing that even if you're vaccinated, you still have to wear the mask. ain't going to do it. So that really, the only carrot out there for the unvaccinated was you finally get to throw away the mask, and now you're telling us, no, you don't get to throw away the mask, which is very unfortunate. But I've got some of the stats on that, on how you're as likely to be struck by lightning as die from the COVID if you've been vaccinated. And I don't know about you, but I pretty much never, unless I'm near a tall tree in a lightning storm, worry about getting struck by lightning. Uh, But anyway, we'll get into some of those statistics coming uh, uh, up a little bit later. Uh, Joining us now, Josh Rogan, as I explained a little bit ago, he wrote Chaos Under Heaven, a book we've talked about a fair amount on the show, and he might be the go-to guy out there in terms of a journalist who's looked into the COVID and where it came from and China's role in it. Josh, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Thanks for coming on.
3: Uh, Great to be back with you, Jack.
2: So we opened with a clip of the back and forth between Rand Paul and and Dr. Fauci last week, and I know I saw some of your tweets and some of your writing. You feel like, uh, the, well, at least you talk to some scientists who say eh, Rand Paul might be right on this one.
3: Yeah, I think like you know when you see these guys yell at each other in a Senate hearing, it's impossible to understand what the heck they're trying to talk about. Right? You know, they're screaming about definitions of gain of function research and that she Says no, my definition is correct, and Rand Paul says, you're a liar. And then he says, no, sir, you're a liar. And, you know, the media covers it like it's like a like a, like a, a UFC match, you know, and then then everyone loses the point, which is not whether or not the work and the research that the U.S. government and Fauci were sponsoring just a definition. The important point is that it was really risky stuff. And what I wrote in The Washington Post was like, you know, what Fauci is doing here is he's playing sort of a word game. He's like, okay, like, you know, function. sorry, can we...
2: Uh, hey, Michael, can you put him on hold? And we're going to have to get a better connection, unfortunately, because I really want to hear what Josh has to say. He's the best on this. Um, he's the best on this stuff. And uh, I know because I read his article, one of the things he was going to say is that uh, you're getting to some really semantics differences and lawyerly differences on this. And I think that uh, dr fauci is ignoring the spirit of the conversation to get into the letter of the conversation just to protect himself really and uh Rand paul is more on the right side of that how about we take a quick break and we're either going to get back to josh rogan and i do want to get those stats to you look if you're vaccinated you are so safe from this covid i mean there are the, the list of things you should worry about before you worry about dying of covid if you're vaccinated are long, including, like, real rarities like shark attacks. Stay tuned for that stuff.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Well, it started out. So we're uh, rejoining Josh Rogan of the Washington Post, a global opinions columnist for the Washington Post, uh, wrote the book Chaos Under Heaven, and uh, we have talked to him a lot about um, COVID and uh, the origins of COVID and China and a variety of things. Josh rejoins us now. Josh, I got a question for you, and thanks for, uh, for sticking around. We really appreciate it. Sure. Where um, were we? Uh, where were we? Well, we're, we're getting into the, the battle between Anthony Fauci and Rand Paul. And I don't really care about right. that. You know, we've still got the whole problem that the gravitational pull of Donald Trump is equal to that of the sun. And, you know, right. every conversation ends up being okay. Rand Paul's a Trump guy. Fauci's a never trumper. So I'm on the side of, and you know, you choose based on that. What I want to know is are, are we funding this gain of function research and should we be doing this? I mean, th- th- getting to the point that this was a man made disaster. I think we keep forgetting that. Right. COVID is a man made disaster. We created this damn thing. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I agree with you. The two things that you said are related because, you know, I'm not an anti Fauci guy. I'm just a guy who wants to figure out how we got into this mess, how we got, how the pandemic started, because it's crucial to prevent the next pandemic. If we don't figure out how we got, how this started, we won't know what to do in our policy and our politics to fix the system. So we know this never happens again. And it's clear in that sort of Senate hearing, but also in a record of what Anthony Fauci has been saying and doing over the last year and a half, that he doesn't want an examination into our relationship hmm. with Wuhan labs. He resisted it at every step. He's been very consistent. Every time he's asked about it, he deflects. Well, it's not gain of function research Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is that it was risky and you knew it was risky. And, By the way, he created that definition of -of gain-of-function research. It's like a loophole, right? He defined it in such a way that you never have to review any of the stuff that you're funding in Wuhan. And that's exactly what happened. He built a loophole, not just him, NIH and Francis Collins and all these guys, who are invested in this industry. They've built a loophole into it. Then nothing's gain of function research, so we don't have to review anything. And then when the pandemic hits in Wuhan, everyone's like, oh, wait a second, maybe we should have reviewed this very risky research. And what Fauci did was he not only sort of played dumb, oh I don't what are you talking about? Everything's fine. When he was asked on CNN, hey, do you still think it's a good idea, considering these Wuhan labs just told us to go screw ourselves when the pandemic hit and we wanted to do the investigation? And he said, well, I guess we have to do it because we have to, the bats are in China. So he's got an agenda here, which is to continue the research that he's in charge of and to expand it actually sixfold and to get more U.S. taxpayers to pay, more U.S. scientists like Anthony Fauci and his friends, To do more work with these Chinese labs, and all I'm saying is, before we do that, shouldn't we figure out if the labs sparked the pandemic?
2: Yeah, I would say so. And uh, and is it and are human beings capable of doing this sort of research and not letting it leak out? Because as you've told us in other interviews, uh, this is not uncommon. This this has happened a number of times where where things leak out. So maybe it's just not something human beings can do can do well i want to clear one thing up because you said they're invested did you mean financially or just yes. um you you mean financially
3: and their careers and so what you have to understand is that in the world of virus research anthony fauci is the head of it he's funding almost all of it in one way or another him and the nih they are what spending u.s taxpayer dollars to sponsor risky research all over the world and What the national security people are saying, and if you saw it today, Menendez and Rubio and Risch and Warner, like these are not, you know, fire-breathing MAGA These are the heads of the Senate Foreign Relations and Senate Intel Committees put out a letter today, and they said we have to force China to let us investigate these labs, and we have to review all of our relationships with these labs. That's the point. That's what Fauci is resisting because, you know, even if the lab leak theory isn't true, what's clear is that they have no idea what's going on in these labs that they're funding. And how can we have a system where we're funding these labs, doing risky research, and then they won't even let us in the lab. We literally can't walk into the lab when the pandemic hits on their doorstep. Wow. That's a crazy system. Yeah, what say. Fauci argued is that the system worked. He's saying that we should keep that system and expand that system. And I say, wait a second, before we expand the system and make Anthony Fauci the head of that new system, maybe we should figure out if it leaked out from the left
2: man i hope uh, maybe you do but i hope you realize how important you are on this story because i just i don't think there are enough people that understand it and enough people that have the, the 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 gravitas to get anybody's attention because you are you know you're not a trumper um by any means right. if anybody reads your stuff you know i would hope that the the other half of america would listen to you and say whoa, let's slow down on this so do you think fauci and his crowd just don't. They just don't think we're we're smart enough to understand what they're doing, and he's right. he's we afraid we'll shut them, them down.
3: His his message on CNN was, "Trust me, don't worry, trust me." He said, "We've always been safe. We'll continue to be safe. We're going to keep doing it." And it, in fact, if you if you look at his interview this weekend in the New York Times, he proposes expanding this research to everything: influenza, H one N one, you name it. He wants to do risky research all over the world, including in labs in China. Now. I think I do think that the narrative is changing very, very slowly, to be sure, not just because of me, because a lot of people are like, hey, wait a second, that's crazy. And maybe we need some oversight of all these scientists because they're checking their own homework. Right. And then, th- th- of course, they're all telling each other that everything's fine. But look around the world. Everything's not fine. OK. And, you know, the WHO is going to try again and the Chinese are going to go tell them to screw themselves and we'll be back where we started in another year unless somebody gets off the pot and does something. OK, and the Biden administration is not going to do it unless they're pushed to do it. But more and more people in Congress and now more Democrats, which is really a I got to tell you, Jack, it's a big change. Like I was actually surprised when I saw that today. Menendez and Warner, they're you know, they're not going to say that and and go sort of pushing the administration to do more to investigate the origins if they didn't really believe it, right, if they didn't Mm -hmm. really think that this was really important. So I think there is a bipartisan opportunity here. And unfortunately, that means asking Anthony Fauci a bunch of uncomfortable questions that he's clearly been avoiding for over a year.
2: Yeah, I would say so. Um, And then there was that story that France, the Chinese kicked the French out, and France warned us and saying, hey, they're 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 not letting us uh, keep an eye on them anymore. And we don't think they're uh, being careful. And, you know, the fact that that story is a couple of years old, but nobody mentioned that at the beginning of this pandemic. Somebody in the government well, knew that.
3: You know, in April 2020, when I wrote the story breaking the news of the cables, the diplomatic cables that uh, reported back in 2018 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was, had bad safety standards and that they were doing risky coronavirus research on bats and how they could become more infectious with humans you know i was called every name in the book right and like you said i'm not a a trump guy i'm not a pro-trump i'm not an anti-trump guy i just try to call him like i see him and you know what you have to realize is that the chinese communist party controls everything and that our scientific collaboration is not between anthony fauci and those very nice chinese scientists that's not the way it works over there they have a different system those hey. Chinese scientists can't tell us the truth, or they're going to get killed.
2: Literally so get, to, literally will be killed.
3: Or worse. And so we have to understand that dealing with totalitarian dictatorship means that they're going to take our engagement and use it against us, literally weaponize it against us at every opportunity. And so that's why I think when Anthony Fauci is asked directly about the, that, and he's like, well, nothing, there's no problem here. I think that's where a lot of people can see the disconnect and can see why we can't have – scientific collaboration that's actually a dual-use military technology that our adversary is going to use right. to build the machine they're pointing at us and that we're going to pay for, that we should still pay for it? You know, that's crazy.
2: Yeah. Wow. Uh, Josh Rogan, Global Opinions columnist for The Washington Post, and for my money, the the best person out there on this stuff. So this column you had recently... Chinese uh China's vaccine profiteering at the UN is being funded by US taxpayers. Oh. I was unaware of this. This is really maddening. Can you explain that to people?
3: You know, this is really crazy because, you know, the United what China has done with its vaccines is they've gone around the world uh threatening, bullying, coercing countries, literally hanging shots over their heads and and, and forcing them to choose between the Chinese Communist Party's politics or their own citizens' lives. That's how China is using its power and its influence. You know, now we see what Beijing wants to be in a world in a world power. But the worst part of it is that the international system for distributing to vaccines to poor people, which is we're the majority funder of, and which we're donating the most to, decided to use all of that money to buy these Chinese vaccines from the government-owned Chinese company at a markup. And essentially what that means is that U.S. taxpayers are giving the Chinese government money to send vaccines that don't work, by the way, to poor countries. And sort of pointing that out was seen to be somehow controversial, but all I did was follow the money. We pay COVAX, which is the international system. They pay the Chinese state-owned company. By the way, the vaccines don't even work. So that seems crazy to me. We shouldn't be doing that.
2: Yeah, uh, well, just a little bit from your article. A senior U.S. official told you that it's not actually the U.S.-donated money, um, but as you write, right. that claim is specious because money is fungible. I mean, what kind of an argument is that dividing the accounts on paper is meaningless, the United States is funding COVAX, and COVAX is paying China.
3: You know, and yeah, it's kind of crazy to say that we give them $2 billion, and that's not the $2 billion they're going to use to pay the Chinese government. Right. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Don't, it doesn't pass the last test, but you know, What's what's even more crazy is that, you know, the Biden administration, they have a, 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 an ability to influence these multilateral organizations. That's why Trump pulled us out, because all these multilateral organizations kept doing the wrong thing, doing the thing that China wanted them to do. And the Biden team is like, oh, no, these organizations could be useful. And I think they can, but not if you just let them continue to do the wrong thing. So my words, the Biden administration was like, hey, guys, why don't you uh, get on this? And. And, you know, tell Kovacs to not spend Americans' money on crappy Chinese vaccines. They're actually going to make the problem worse because they give pe- poor people a false sense of security. They go out and spread the virus, right? It's actually, we're actually spending money to pay China to make the situation worse. And what Biden people say is like, oh, yeah, well, I guess it's too late, <laughs> you know.
2: Um, we're talking with Josh Rogan. I really appreciate your time today, man. He's a good read anytime he writes about any of this stuff. Really, I think the best out there. And man, stay on it. Cause, uh, the world needs to know what's going on. And you're, uh, you're, you're, you're in their jock strap. So thank, thank God. Josh Rogan, global opinions columnist of the Washington Post. Thanks for your time today. Anytime. So, uh, a little more on this, this. So it's called, uh, COVAX. That's the WHO's, you know, we got to get vaccines. We got to get shots out to people all around the world. And uh, to give you an idea, we're the good guys in this story by far, and China's the bad guys, and the world needs to know this because we're locked in a war with China for, you know, which, which one of these poles are you going to be pulled toward, the United States or China, uh, the two superpowers in the world? China has contributed zero money to the, to the world project to try to get vaccines to people. Zero money and zero shots from their national stockpile of their vaccine. While the United States has pledged $4 billion and distributed 55 million donated shots and promised to donate 500 million more no charge so the u.s. taxpayer by far the good guy the superhero in this story and china the evil villain and i don't think enough people know this and the biden administration by the way could do a hell of a better job of making sure the world does know we're the good guy on this and china's the bad guy because we got to win this uh, war of uh of uh, convincing people
0: armstrong and getty